Welcome back to the Amkiss podcast brought to you by the Bonjour Agency. This is the podcast where we speak to people in the independent school sector. Amkiss is the Association for Admissions, Marketing and Communications in Independent Schools. I'm Simon Jones and in this episode we hear from Lindsay Hughes, Headmistress at Channing School. Now Lindsay delivered the keynote speech at the Amkiss annual conference so I asked her to dive into this a little bit deeper, finding out from her how marketing teams can be best prepared for an uncertain future, why it's so important to collaborate with other departments in school and what the whole 10% braver thing is and where that came from. But we also talk about her relentless optimism and what school marketing and admissions people can do if they're not happy in their school. That's all coming up in this episode, so come with me now as we speak to the headmistress at Channing School, it's Lindsay Hughes. Lindsay, thank you for joining us on this episode of the podcast. How are you today? Yeah, really well. Thank you very much. Looking forward to the conversation. <laughs> good, good, good. Uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday afternoon and it's the Tuesday after AMKIS. So not day two of the AMKIS conference, but a week later. But first of all, t- typically, what does a Tuesday afternoon look like for you? <laughs> That's a really good question. I actually said in uh, in my speech at AMKIS that my son recently asked me, but what do you actually do all day, mummy? Um, and my instinctive immediate answer was meetings, which isn't quite the answer he was expecting, I don't think. And so, yes, a Tuesday afternoon will usually involve meetings, either with a member of my senior team talking about their priorities and what they're getting up to. Today, I have been on a webinar um, listening uh, to some analysis of the state of the independent school market. I've had a phone call with a parent you know, all the bits and pieces that just sort of happen across your desk when you're ahead. Okay. And just a quick question on that. How do you get the balance right between, uh, if I say firefighting, it makes it sound like all of those things are bad things. They may well be very good things, but between doing all of those day-to-day things and also taking a step back and thinking longer term about the strategic view of the school, for example. That's a really good question. Unfortunately, the nature of my job does mean that sometimes you do just have to fight fires because things arrive on your desk and need dealing with. But actually, I do less of that as a head than I did as a deputy head because my deputy head's doing most of it. My two deputy (laughs) heads are doing most of it. One of the things I have really learned in my three years as a head is that you are only as good as the quality of your team. And I have a fantastic senior team all of whom are highly skilled, understand their job roles really well, and they look after their areas beautifully, and they bring stuff to me when I need to see it, rather than things coming to me first and me going, I'm really sure this isn't my job. So yeah, I am afforded some space to do that strategic thinking, which is really important. And I'm increasingly well-disciplined about finding that balance between sort of the routine day-to-day and the big thinking piece and also the home and school balance, which is so vital. And I, um, for example, the afternoon of AMKIS, I finished, I did my talk in the morning, I stayed for some of the morning sessions, but in fact, I then went home rather than slog all the way back to school and spent the afternoon doing some really good thinking in advance of our Governor's Strategy Day, which is uh, coming up on Thursday this week. Yeah, so I try to make sure I carve out the time properly when I need to. 
Well, it sounds like you're doing that really quite well, Lindsay. Just for people who are listening who don't know Channing School, give us a yes. quick summary, whether it's, I mean, because actually I know this, so it seems a bit strange me asking you, but for the sake of people listening, whether it's boys, girls, co-ed, what age range, day boarding, um, just in a snapshot. Sure, absolutely. So Channing is an all-girls school. I have just over a thousand girls from four to 18 sitting on the side of Highgate Hill in North London. I have a junior school on one side of uh, Highgate Hill and the senior school on the other side of Highgate Hill. And uh, we are uh, one of only four Unitarian schools in the entire world, uh, which means that our focus has always been uh, on an ethos of, of kindness, respect and inclusivity which might not have been very trendy in 1885, but it's very cool now. And uh, yeah, so we're uh, an oversubscribed, in-demand, increasingly good girls' school. Awesome. That's really good to hear. Actually, I didn't know that you had, that you had more than 1,000 girls. That, that, that's more than I thought you had, actually. So uh, uh, you're earning your half term there, for sure. We are. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> now, let's just jump back then to the AMCIS conference, because the, the annual conference is an event which is understandably mostly attended by marketing admissions and development people or otherwise known as mad people which i think is a great acronym <laughs> not many heads generally go along to the conference some do but generally not many now you were delivering a keynote speech there and i, I presume that was your primary reason for being there but in what ways did you see it being of benefit attending the event with rochelle fox your marketing director also being there uh, that's a really uh, good question so yes i was invited to give the keynote speech and my understanding is that every year amkis does invite a head to talk about something and i was asked uh, specifically actually to speak on kind of the, the view from the head's office uh, which i'm sure you'll ask me a bit more about in a minute for me, I would always have wanted Rochelle to be there, whether or not I was going. I think it is absolutely required um, CPD for all members of my team to be going off to the conferences that relate to their specialisms. And she came back buzzing from the sessions she'd been to and, and the, uh, the the other keynotes that she'd heard, particularly on the during the day on Monday. So there's huge value to her being there. And for both of us being there, it was actually really fun because uh, we both had conversations with lots of different people. And then uh, when we were talking again on Wednesday morning, had different things to bring uh, back to discuss with each other. And from my point of view, there was a lot of fun in catching up with lots of people I've worked with in other schools, the marketing and admissions professionals that I've kind of met across the, my career so far. Plus also my background was in PR and marketing. So I did that for uh, a few years before I trained as a teacher. So I did feel a little bit like I was going back to my roots uh, in, in thinking about marketing things. I, I imagine that some of the marketing and admissions people listening to this are possibly quite envious now of Rochelle, <laughs> knowing, knowing that knowing that the, <laughs> the head in her school uh, used to work in PR, whereas some of, some heads, of course, are purely academic backgrounds. And you know, much as they might, may say they fully understand marketing, maybe they're not quite as on board as the marketing director might want them to be. I think that's a real challenge for heads, actually. And there was one marketing person did come to speak to me afterwards and asked, can I give your contact details to my head because they know that they're not getting it right and they'd actually really welcome some help. So I said, of course, I'd be more than happy to, to help. And I do recognize that for some heads, you know, the, the prospect of standing up in front of rooms full of strangers and extolling the virtues of your school just does not come naturally. And I am... I am fortunate 
you know, when some people were, I don't know, running around on hockey pitches or, you know, on stage doing things in plays when they were at school, I was off doing public speaking competitions. So, you know, that holds no fear for me. And I, yeah, I'm very happy to extol the virtues of my school. <laughs> I'm really happy doing it. Um, but I do, I, I think it is absolutely true that for some heads, it is really difficult. They understand they need to. I think every head knows that they have to get marketing right and that it really, really matters. But some of them don't instinctively get what that means for them or how they can do it best or how they can help their marketing director. I've always extolled the importance of having your marketing director on your SLT. And that means that Rochelle... Um, Rochelle has no fear about speaking truth to power uh, and and telling me what she thinks. We're both quite direct with one another, which is great. It's but it's how I like to be with people, and uh, I think that there are um, probably some marketing directors out there listening to this, thinking, "Yes, but I'm not on SLT. I don't have that relationship with my head. It's really hard for me to say to them, you're not quite getting this right.' And can I offer you some advice on how to do it better?" So if there's anything I can do to help, just let me know. <laughs> That's reassuring to know, Lindsay. Now, your keynote speech, uh, you titled it The View from the Head's Office, which, which, which I thought was, was a great title in itself. But a couple of things I'd love to quiz you on, beginning mm. uh, with how you began by referring to yourself as, as a relentless optimist, I think you said. Where, where did that come from? Oh, I have always been that way. I've always been that way. My parents used to describe me as being like a Labrador puppy. I was just always enthusiastic about everything. And I remember making a New Year's resolution once in my mid-twenties at a New Year's Eve party. I think it's fair to say some beer had been drunk. And uh, a friend of mine said to me, so what's your resolution going to be? And I said, it's going to be to banish gloom. And uh, in fact, I made that resolution about three years in a row. I just, I just am one of life's natural optimists. And interestingly, having talked to other heads, obviously, as I do, I think it is something that all of us, you can't be a school leader without generally believing positively in the life-affirming nature of what we do, educating young people. You know, you have to believe that life is a good place and things can only get better if you're working with young people and, and giving them their life chances. Now, you talked as well about various concerns at the moment in the independent school sector, such as you know VAT on fees, which seems to be uh, much discussed right now, birth rates and pension contributions, things like that. And you, you talked about the importance of being prepared for this. How can marketing teams who are listening to this right now, how can they be prepared for things that may come up in the future like that? The thing I think is most important is for them to get alongside their head and their governors, if they can, to make sure that they really understand the school's position. That's, as I said, you know, Rochelle sits on my SLT because I want her at the table for every conversation we have about the strategic future of the school. And she offers a really useful perspective when we're talking about, you know, challenges that might be coming our way and how we might react to them, because she thinks always about how is this going to land with our prospective parent body uh, and indeed with our current parents, um, which is really important. The other thing is that market, uh, that the marketing and admissions teams by their very nature are plugged into the mood music about a school. They know what people are saying about us. Rochelle has the evidence from 
research that we've done, uh, for example, we did research on whether we should be introducing a minibus service for our junior school parents. So we did a whole bunch of demographic and postcode research on where our parents live. We have lots of admissions research, particularly the non-joiners research. That's so useful to understand why did people turn us down at four plus and 11 plus. And so making sure that that research is done and that that it's brought to the attention of the senior team, the head, the governors, uh, so that all the decisions they're making are evidence-based. Because it is going to be rocky out there. Not all schools are going to survive the combination of things that are going to come. And it may be that schools have to merge or be sold or downsize or radically change their offering. And if you're the marketing team, you need to know about that because you're going to be the ones, you know, preparing the the ground uh, or helping to sell the message, whatever it is. Do you mention then about, you know, understanding what people are saying about your school? And I mean, a very obvious question is how important do you feel that that schools know what other people are saying? I, you know, I presume that you're going to say it's very, very important. But thinking about some schools listening to this who might be very small prep schools with very small marketing budgets and and maybe the extent of their marketing team is one person working two days a week and that's it. And their available budget to hire in an external company to pick up on what the conversation is amongst parents. They just don't have that option at all. What sort of advice would you would you offer them in that situation? Bearing in mind that I'm not the expert on this bit, I'm the head, not the marketing director. But one of the things I really noticed at Amkiss actually was on Monday evening uh, at the dinner when the awards were being handed out. One of the awards specifically was for small budget marketing success. And it was amazing. You know, one of the schools had kind of carried out an enormously successful campaign for £478. I mean, it doesn't have to break the bank. You don't have to pay consultancies. Sometimes you can just design your own Google form and send it out to the people on your mailing list. Um, And, uh, you know, we did use RS Academics to do our Parent Pulse survey um, earlier this year. But we did that very specifically because we wanted the benchmark data that it would provide us against some of the other schools. But you Mm. don't have to do it that way. You can do it yourself. Um, And there are sort of sets of questions out there in the ether, heads talk to heads, everybody's got resources they're willing to share. Um, So I don't think you have to uh, spend huge amounts of money if you think creatively about other ways to do it. That's good to hear. Thanks for that, Lindsay. You talked about how closely uh, the marketing director should be working with the head. Um, But tell me more about collaborations with other departments in school. And, And I'm thinking as well about a lot of marketing teams tend to be very, very busy and, mm-hmm. and and often can hardly get through the things that they need to be doing themselves. And the idea of them collaborating with other departments in school is, is almost like a utopia to be able to have that time to do that. But tell me a little bit more about the importance of that collaboration. I am going to say it's vital. The importance of the admissions team and the marketing team being plugged into what all the other functions are doing in school, um, you can't underestimate it. And uh, funnily enough, I was talking to somebody at Amkiss on the Tuesday after my speech, and she was saying that uh, the two most important people in the school, in her view, are the catering manager and the estates manager, because without them, the school doesn't look beautiful and things don't get done when it comes to you know, prospective parents, open events and those sorts of things. And I think that's really true. So making the time to get away from your desk and go and sit in the staff room or wherever you have lunch and wherever you have break and just joining in the conversations um, 
as I said in my speech, you know, there's always going to be the member of staff who suddenly announces that, um, you know, did you know that Barney's just been selected to take the lead with the National Ballet or, you know, Flossie's built a rocket and it's being launched by NASA next month. You know, there will be stuff that's amazing that's happening in your school that everybody's forgotten to mention to you. So if you're plugged in and having those conversations and a known face in the staff room, people will make sure that the information comes your way. Awesome. Some of the people listening to this podcast episode right now would have been at the conference. Some of them won't have been at the conference. Actually, they, they won't have heard your speech at all. But one of the things you talked about was being 10% braver. <laughs> Yes. Uh, what, what, why 10% and not 50% or 100%? Oh, it's a long story, Simon. Well, a few years ago, so I have, I spent the first half of my career in boys' schools uh, or boys' schools that then uh, went co-ed. And I made the move to all girls uh, after 10 years. And it was quite the revelation, I have to say. And at my second all-girls school, I was deputy head at Lady Eleanor Hollis School in southwest London. And I read Sheryl Sandberg's Lean In, which is uh, was at that point kind of required reading for all women in leadership. And it was a really interesting book, and she had a lot of really interesting things to say. But one of the things she said was, and I asked myself the question, what would I do if I wasn't afraid? And I read that, and I just thought, that's a useless question. <laughs> that's no <laughs> help to me at all. Because the, the the brutal truth is, the frank truth is, we're all afraid. Fear holds us back all the time. There are always things that will stop us from taking steps um, that, that might otherwise be good for us or important to take a risk. But at about the same time, I also came across the organization Women Ed. And the question that Women Ed pose is, what would you do if you were 10% braver? So when you find yourself in a situation and you say to yourself, I can't do that, to think to yourself, would I be able to do it if I was just 10% braver? And if the answer is yes, then we'll go on and do it. Um, and that really spoke to me because that's so human and that's so normal. It's just a nudge. It doesn't require you to be superhuman. It doesn't require you to, to lose all of your inhibitions. It just requires you to be a little bit brave sometimes. And, and that can be enough. And so, I, yeah, I turned that into my personal mantra. I used it all the time at LEH. Uh, I used it in my application for the headship at Channing. And in fact, it sits so beautifully at Channing. The school's motto is Connor Bohr, I will try. So to be 10% braver with that just works perfectly. I walk around with a badge on my lanyard that says I am 10% braver to remind everybody all Very the time. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> Would you recommend the rest of the book, the, the Cheryl Sandberg book, book? Oh, absolutely. And and I I fully endorse reading things you don't agree with. I think it's really important because you need to understand why you don't agree. Um, and also, even if there's stuff that you think, I'm not so sure about that, there will be things that you pick up. So absolutely read Lean In, read Difficult Women, read the 10% Braver books. There are some now. Uh, there's all sorts you should uh, be reading. I think um, Jeff Barton, the general secretary of Askell, says leaders are readers. And I think that's absolutely true. No, I love that. I love that. And you also talked about girls enjoying success. And I was going to ask you how how we balance that with the with the classic phrase of it's not the winning that counts, but the taking part. <laughs> yes. Um, so girls enjoying success was the uh, the kind of the strap line, the vision for the school when I uh, had already been devised when I joined Channing. And it's perfect because uh, it encapsulates everything that we think 
school should be about. Um, you know, I believe passionately in the power of an all girls education. I think that's really, really important. And I you know, won't go into it in huge depth here, but I do think it really matters. Um, and oh, the enjoyment. School has to be fun. You have to want to get up in the morning and come to school. And that's because you've got inspiring teachers who engage you in lessons and there are activities going on at lunchtime and after school that you want to do and, you know, plays and sports and all the fun stuff that comes around the edges. The head, Heather Hanbury at my last school always used to say, you know, when you ask somebody, what do you remember about your school days? They don't usually say geography on a Tuesday afternoon. They'll say the trip to X, doing Duke of Edinburgh Award, being in the play, playing in the orchestra. It's the stuff that happens around the edges that that really sticks with people. And then, sorry, to go back to your question about, you know, it's the taking part that counts. Success should be as you define it. That's the important thing. Success doesn't have to be a string of A stars in a place at Oxford or Cambridge or medical school. Some parents sadly do think that, but our job is to educate them that actually their daughters can be uh, incredibly successful with a different grade profile and still go to the university of their choice to do the thing of their dreams and have a fantastic, fulfilling career. You mentioned just then about um, about getting out of bed and wanting to go into school, wanting to go and, and, and do, do your thing. Uh, I imagine some people, again, who might be listening to this, maybe they don't feel that. Maybe they do feel, oh gosh, it's Monday morning. And maybe they don't enjoy their work quite as much as they used to, or maybe as much as they could. Would you suggest that they try and change themselves or try and change their job? Oh, gosh, that's very deep, Simon. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm not entirely sure I feel qualified to offer that kind of life yeah. advice. <laughs> um, but that's a really interesting question. I suppose for me, I have always found myself at a natural point in a job where I've kind of looked at everything around me and gone, I've done as much as I can here. It's time for me to find a new challenge. But it's really rare for me to find myself not looking forward to, to, to school. As I told you, I'm a relentless optimist. Um, and as I often tell people, my brother is a lawyer for a major bank and he thinks it's obscene for somebody to enjoy their job as much as I do. He says <laughs> it's not natural. Um, but uh, I think that all people want to feel fulfilled in their work. And I think that if you're not enjoying your job, you need to ask yourself the question, is it because I'm not feeling motivated and I'm not feeling valued, in which case perhaps you need a conversation with your line manager about how you're going to get more out of your job? Or is it because you've been doing the same thing for a long time and actually it's time for something new, in which case you maybe do need to look uh, further afield for, for something else uh, that might uh, just reignite that spark for you, remind you why you do what you do. Hopefully, Lindsay, you and I aren't responsible for a third of the independent <laughs> school marketing sector I'm just, I'm quitting just, their jobs. I'm just waiting for the Amkis LinkedIn to suddenly go mad with lists of, you know, posts available. <laughs> let's hope not. Or let's hope so, one or the other. Well, know, actually, in all seriousness, one of the things that I find is on those days where, you know, I've dealt with complaints, there have been difficult issues, people have cried in my office, whatever it is, I find my happy place is A, I just go and walk around the school because you bump into girls and they smile and laugh at you and you smile and laugh back and that's just great. I mostly go and sit with year one or reception and I just go back right to the beginning and sit with them and just watch their absolute wonder and awe as they learn all these new things that we just take for granted. And it just reminds me why I do what I do. So 
a little bit of just regaining that purpose can go a long way. Lindsay, uh, before we bring this to a close, tell me one thing that you get up to when you're not in school, nothing at all to do with work. Uh, oh, I do all sorts of things, uh, but probably the thing, my happy place is at a cricket match. Uh, I love going to watch cricket. Oh, Edgebaston okay. is my favourite mm -hmm. ground. I like to get in the okay. car and drive up to Edgebaston and go watch a game up there. But in fact, the next match I'm going to uh, is next month. I'm off to Lords to go and watch the ICC World Test Match final between Australia and India uh, with my brother, in fact. So yeah, I love a bit of cricket. Very good. Well, let's hope you get some good weather for that, for sure. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> Lindsay, it's been great talking to you. I just want to say thank you for your time. Thanks for giving up your time on a Tuesday afternoon. It's been, it's been a real pleasure talking to you today. Thank you, Simon. I've really enjoyed the conversation and I hope that uh, the people listening have found it useful and interesting. So that was Lindsay Hughes, headmistress at Channing School and keynote speaker at the AMKIS annual conference. A big thank you to her for the keynote and for being here on the podcast recording. Just a reminder, AMKIS is the Association for Admissions, Marketing and Communications in Independent Schools. For more information on AMKIS, just visit amkis.co.uk. Now, our next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.